Hello and welcome to our new series of podcasts focusing on primary care networks. I'm Will Owen, a GP trainee and clinical fellow at NHS England and each month I'll be interviewing a range of people from across the country who are working in or around primary care networks to get their perspectives on some of the benefits, challenges and opportunities that working in networks can bring. This month I'm really delighted to welcome Dr Hannah Morgan. Hannah's a partner at the Elms Practice on Hailing Island and a new clinical director of Hailing Island and Emsworth Primary Care Network. Welcome to the podcast, Hannah, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Could you start by telling us a little bit more about your current roles and, um, and what motivated you to get involved in those? Yeah, so I'm a GP partner at my current practice, where I am um, at the Elms practice where I trained. Um, I'd worked there for about two years um, in primary care straight through after I'd done my hospital placements. And yeah, I do six sessions a week, but 40 weeks a year, so it's an average of five sessions. And when I was in my train training, I basically started looking at some of our data in the practice. And I come to general practice from a background in hospital medicine, where I've done quite a bit of stuff working across the system. I've always had an interest in the wider system level working. So um, when I was doing respiratory medicine, I spent some time out of training doing leadership fellowships, working in the acute trust with the senior management team. And that taught me some of the skills in population health and um, really got me motivated in how to um, really improve our care. And so I've really got into it from just following my curiosity. Um, my other roles that I do, I lead um, the Wessex Next Generation GP project, and we just finished our second cohort of that and I currently have a role as a GP Educational Fellow, although I'm going to stop doing that now I've got my Clinical Director um, role because there's not just not enough hours in the week. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not with a young family. No, <laughs> no. Um, so you mentioned the CD role there. How do you see that Clinical Director role and, um, and what led you to want to do it? I think I see the Clinical Director role as um, the person in the, within the primary care network that really takes a lead in doing, um, helping our, our commu like primary care community run the network well. So I see it as, the, the word leader still feels quite awkward with me if I'm honest, because I think we, um, in our practices and community teams across primary care, we all take a lead in different things. And so I see it that as a CD role, I'll be taking the lead in, in the network. Um, the motivation for me to do it, I guess comes from what motivated me to move to general practice from hospital medicine. And that was that I really wanted to be a doctor that provided continuity of care for my patients and also to provide care for a population. Um, and so when I started in general practice, that was something that I was coming there to do, to, um, to be a clinician, um, but also to set a service up that cares for a community well. And I see it as you know, amazing timing that I've kind of had some leadership training and edu real education in, across different parts of our system. But also now that I'm a GP partner with time in my working week to absolutely deliver on this role for our primary care community. Mm. Within your area, so you've worked in your practice for a couple of years, yeah. so you know the area well. Yeah. Um, how have you gone about understanding 
those particular local needs and priorities and, and starting to um, generate some consensus around those. Okay. So, I mean, I think, to be honest, I started, I started doing it when I was a trainee. Mm. I, um, I knew that I was going to be in my training practice for two or three years because I've, I've changed my working patterns around having three young children. So I've worked part-time, full-time, but I knew that I bought a house and was living in that area and wanted to work within a 20-minute radius of my house. So I knew that I was going to be in this community for a long time. And so actually, it's a few years ago that I've, and because I live there as well, I've taken an interest in my community. So I, I know the council, their plans, um, their strategic plans. I got to build relationships with them, RMP through, to be honest, that started with the junior doctor <laughs> crisis. But I was quite motivated that, that he was a new MP in quite a safe seat. I was going to be a GP in the area. So we have, you know, a, a 10 year, hopefully plus working relationship to build the healthcare in our community. And I did, I was careful to not put too much interest into it during my GP training, especially until I passed my CSA, because I really wanted to learn my clinical specialty. And I know that although the system level leadership really interests me, it's absolutely critical that I'm a good clinician. And so I kind of was doing it almost as a specialist interest alongside the clinical training. But for the last year of my training, um, especially I, I then, allowed myself to kind of go to conferences again, like the FMLM conference and the RCGP conference and Next Generation GP. I didn't do the first one in London because I knew it would distract me too much from um, my clinical work, but I, I really embraced it when it came to Wessex. Um, and that really motivated me to um, just get more involved in it. And so I started looking at some of the local data. I started looking at our practice data on how we were delivering at things. Um, and so I got into it in that way, really, um, to understand the local priorities and needs. And I, I then, over the last 12 months, started really quite deliberately having conversations with people around the system. So like I set up a meeting with um, I'd, with our public health consultant, with our diabetes consultant, um, with with uh, the director of finance in our local hospital at Portsmouth, who actually I worked with when he was in Brighton. So I, you know, had quite deliberately started really just building up those conversations and the local narrative mm. um, to see what our local needs are and to see what everyone feels, you know, what everyone feels. Yeah, are the priorities, I guess. How do you go about doing that as a relatively, a relatively new and junior member of the partnership and of the sort of local community of GPs? How do you go about sort of facilitating and, and hel helping those conversations? I think, I think because of previous experience I've had working, you know, with with acute trusts and across the system, I think I do have a self belief that I have a power just as maybe as a junior, you know, a junior in a team, but actually I have an ability to influence things. And so I knew that, I knew that we, I know I kind of, I guess one of my skill sets is in how to get things done and delivered. So I'd learned things along the way, like actually if you want something to be discussed at a meeting, then actually putting something on the paper and tabling it or emailing it round actually does kind of force some action and prioritise things. 
And yes, it takes a bit of groundwork first, but, but people, no matter where you are in the system, are always happy to meet enthusiastic people who are motivated to bring about changes. Because I wasn't trying to do something that was um, out of the ordinary from what other people were trying to do. You know, our, our consultants across the system, our MPs, our borough council, um, they're all motivated to improve healthcare for our population. And so um, I think I was mindful of what my priorities were. So yeah, absolutely for my trainer, my priority were my clinical priorities. But once they knew I'd kind of got up to skill with those in the first couple of years, then they were quite happy to let me broaden my portfolio mm. during my third year. Um, and, and probably just making the time to do that really. And, and part of that was just what I believe is my educate, you know, what was part of my education to become the GP that I wanted to be because, you know, being a, a doctor is not is a real privilege, but it's also quite difficult and you you have to, I think, have the, the belief that you're doing it to do a good job. And so for me to feel like I'm doing a good job as a GP, I wanted to make sure that I educated myself in some of these things while I was in training. There are a couple of key decisions that need to be made, aren't there? There's there's something around form, you know, what does our network look like? What's the governance that we're going to use? But there's something also about function. What function is our network going to perform and what's our vision for doing that? How did you go about having those conversations, balancing those two aspects? Yeah, I think I, th I think you're right. right. I mean, I think both paying attention to both is the critical thing. So the the shared purpose of what we're actually going to do together is critical because there's only a point existing if we're going to do something that's better than what we're doing at the moment and and that is all to be decided i think it's it takes a bit of time to get used to um you know when people are very used to being told or thought they're being told what to do mm. and actually everything we do as a network is up to us to decide. There's some things that will be reimbursed, but it's up to us whether we employ social prescribers or um, pharmacists. We don't have to do it. And so I think the, the function is yet, is actually important that we don't rush at. So that is yet to come. The, the governance and the, um, that sort of thing, we have actually paid have paid close attention to. And I think that's because a lot of it is a bit like the contract, you know, when doing your house renovation, you get the builders in, you have to have a contract because then it gives you the confidence that you put it in the top drawer, you hope you never need it, but it's there to back us up. And, you know, our practices, we're starting it in our network as successful organisations, um, we're performing well and so it's important that we get the financial flow right, the governance right. It's important that we that we have that we decide, part of the governance is deciding what we're going to measure. How are we going to make sure that we're making sufficient progress? Some of those kind of things I'm absolutely determined that we've got to pay attention to because so far we've done a lot of it. You know, my appointment was through mutual agreement. That, as a recruitment process, isn't something that I feel entirely comfortable with because it's important to me that we have um, equality in our workforce and that 
we, so I would like us to get to a point where we make sure that our appointments processes are fair and robust and that we, we do that probably by July next year, that we know exactly what we're going to measure, that when we advertise um, for posts that we do it in a robust way to make sure that we get the best person but also to make sure that it's fair and sustainable and I think some of that governance is making sure that it's sustainable. Um, but I think if we didn't pay attention to what we're actually going to do, then actually we'd have some really good paperwork in place, but we wouldn't actually do anything. And so I want us to make sure that we do something because that's the, the doing is what gives the kind of gravitational pull for people. Um, because I'm quite aware that everyone is on board with this and everyone's quite happy that I'm in post and that we'll be able to get things done. But it's only by actually doing things that we will build the belief in what we can do because um, certainly I think it's important to be aware of how skeptical some people are. So at the moment we have a primary, we have a GP practice network really. We don't have a community, um, you know, primary care network, although we're building it. And um, that's what we've really got to get to mm. by the end of year one. So you talked about the importance of having that shared purpose but I guess I'm interested in how you go about generating that with a group of practices that are well established and, and seem to know each other from what you've said, yeah. but, but what I assume haven't had a huge experience of working together. Yeah. And, and that purpose has got to be something that people can really identify with and buy into, hasn't it? How, yeah. do, you, how do you develop that bit yeah. um, in practice? Yeah, I think it's through conversations and I think we've, we're still learning how to do that really well so I you know make notes through having conversations with people and um, and so we had you know when we sat around with all the doctors from the different surgeries and said what do we want to do the reason we had our form the network we did is because we think we share a culture but also we share share priorities on what what we think we can focus on that will make our days easier and our care therefore our care better and, and I think there's nothing wrong with, with saying that, is that what will make our day as clinicians easier will make the, the care better. Because when you've got engaged teams, you've got safer patient care. And so I, we have been um, looking at, you know, what each practice struggles with or what where we think actually if we did this we could make things better so some of the stuff around um, living with frailty some of the stuff about long-term conditions so some of it is driven from the conversations with people and with um, our patients and with the public mm. um, and with our community health providers and so I think by spending time with people in all the different areas of our primary care network then we build up the conversations but we do I feel like we still do need some carefully facilitated meetings and make sure that in the next few meetings, when the paperwork is done and the schedules are all written, that we can then get on to, in June, what is priority number one, two, three, mm. you know, to make sure that we do build that together. Mm. Um, it's going to be an exciting couple of months. Yeah, and I think it's looking at data as well. I think it's conversations, but also challenging. So I think we've already got lots of data. So one thing that I, I could bring to our practice was experience of some of the public, publicly available data that's out there. And actually through right care, through the fingertips data, 
through the Shape Atlas, um, through our Insights Population and Analytics tool that our CCG has got, um, got logins for, I've been able to look at some of that data and bring that data. Um, and I don't think as clinicians, we're necessarily trained very well in that sort of thing. And that's where, for me doing fellowships and things, I've got some of that training. But it's, it's, it's not just in the data, it's in the clinical interpretation of the data. Mm. Um, and also, I'm, I learn on a weekly basis how much data there is across the system, like how Acute Trust has got data on um, which populations, you know, for my population, but it's not sitting with us at the moment. Mm. And I think what we need to do is to um, bring that data to the networks at a level where there's a granularity um, to see what improvements we can make. And then I think just by providing that, that data at practice level, at patient level, it allows benchmarking, it allows peer-to-peer -peer discussion, it allows learning, and the answers will be there. So. In practices like mine, where we run personal lists, you know, and you do an analysis. So I did an analysis for some of our child health hub work. I was going to observe a child health hub, which was a new kind of initiative, which was started recently in the last couple of years. And I went to observe one as a trainee and they said, oh, bring any cases. So for that, I ran a quick, um, I mean, it was quite quick. It was just an email search of our patients under 10 and then could break down from our 9,300 population how many um, under 10s there were and then how many people had been more than 10 times for surgery. And, and actually, if you looked at who had more than 20 contacts with the surgery, it's only 31 families. Well, that's probably six per GP. And if we wanted to make a difference to those um, patients, you know, those families' lives, seeing a GP every other week you know, it's a big, it's a big burden on, on them. So I think using the data is actually very powerful. But at the same time, you've got to, to make a change. You've got to have the relationships then with the people in the practice to have the conversations with the health visitors, with the school nurses, with the paediatricians. Mm. And I think it's knowing each other well enough to be able to talk about the data and have conversations about it without it feeling uncomfortable because we all go to work to do a good job and sometimes we have to appreciate actually that challenging people on data with data is difficult it's not easy it doesn't feel easy we we automatically um you know maybe it's our, our culture but you get competitive and then you think oh it's the data that's rubbish or oh it's me that's rubbish or oh no you know and and so it can it can be uncomfortable so i think you need the relationships there to um have the, the environment where you can provide the challenge, mm. really. You mentioned that it's still early days, and so I guess this is, it's tricky to talk a bit more about the benefits and, and, and things, but have you seen any early kind of rewards to this new way of working together? Um, yeah, I think there's a buzz about it that's good to see, mm. um, and I've, I've definitely seen that, you know, when when practice manager says did you see that email wasn't it great really kind of spurred me on and um you talk to some of the staff about how um 
we were looking across the practices to see what we're doing differently. So one of our practices um, uses repeat dispensing a lot and some of our practice uses um, a quick message system a lot to improve our access with really good results, promoting continuity of care. And so I think when people start seeing how different practices are doing things, it does create a buzz. Mm. Um, and it is that is great because that actually improves care. But I think what we've got to do now is embed it and share it. And and I think, you know, other things have been other GPs have said to me, Hannah, thank you so much for doing this and, and having the wanting to take the time and the space to, to do it and helping us deliver on it. Because what other people have said is, oh, we've tried to do things like this, but we haven't, we didn't quite ever get it embedded. and. Um, and I think that's really important is to say that this isn't about doing everything newly, you know, creating new things for the sake of it, but it is about making sure that we improve things, that we sustain it mm. and that we do it, like you say, in a way that's shared and prioritises mm. different, you know, how we, our approach really. Mm. Um, so I don't think I could write a paper and say this has we have done this or, you know, we're not at a stage where we can submit a poster to a conference saying we have seen this different in outcome. But um, that's what I really hope to do because I'd like to make sure that we get the measures right so that we can measure the engagement. But even before then, there's been a positive effect on the relationships and the, yeah. the sort of atmosphere in the area. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great to hear. Um, of those things that you've tried, what has anything not worked so well? So I'm kind of trying to get an idea of what you see as the main enablers or obstacles or opportunities um, in this new way of working. Yeah, I think I think you have to be clear what, what you can and sometimes what you can't do. So one of the things that I've learned over the last year is that our practice isn't, a, our network's not at a stage where we can share staff that are already core in our organisations. Um, because we're small, quite tight teams, we don't want to, um, I, think, I think we should be clear that, that do we, if we went to do that kind of thing, it would be difficult at the moment. Um, so we did a bigger piece of locality work on um, diabetes and actually they did a piece on leg ulcer work and it, all with the stumbling block is always when you try and get staff to work in different practices. Mm. And so although on paper it might seem like the right thing to do, at the moment, we're not um, we're not there yet, yeah. and um, and I think we haven't shown the need to do it yet. Okay. Um, what, so. How does that fit then with the encouragement to start employing new new roles across networks? Yeah. I guess that's maybe slightly different because someone coming in with an express purpose of working across network is a bit different from taking particular core staff members from one practice and yeah. somewhere else. But yeah. is, do you f is that going to be challenging? I think it will be challenging, um, but I don't think we can not do it. I think what's, what's people's jobs are really important to them and people really want to do a good job. Mm. And so if someone has been employed to work at an organisation, they really have to be brought in with the idea of working for another organisation mm. with a different culture and um, just just different people. Um, so I think with new staff, we absolutely will have a focus already. We're beginning to look at, well, actually, what would that look like? How would we share the working week? And we've been trying to 
So one thing I do um, is try and really share some of the data. So I see one of my roles as clinical director is to really look outwards and then filter the evidence and bring and provide enough of a sieve so that it's um, still keeps the engagement of other of everyone working in their practices mm. and in our primary care network. So, for example, the pharmacy work, University of Nottingham did an evaluation of the um, pharmacy work and so I was able to look at that and share that and other people in our practices had already looked into employing pharmacists so I think we are definitely looking outwards to what works and being deliberate about it but we are absolutely not rushing to employ people by July because we want to make sure that it's when um, when our network does um, recruit people that we know what we're recruiting for and that we we know what roles we want people to do. Mm. Where do you find those examples from other places, those those areas of kind of good practice or? So I think I I mean, I love looking at information from other places. So I think it's one of the things that I just in, have always just enjoyed doing. So I have a a long list of emails in the morning on you know email trails from different bulletins or um, you know looking at the, the journals and just. I guess gathering that information, it's one of the things that I do enjoy doing is learning from out there. So I think, and that's where I think Next Generation GP has been wonderful for, is actually connecting us with people across the community. And I just think there's been a big culture shift in the last 12 months in primary care to um, just, there's, there seems to be a realisation that it's part of our duty to share the learning from things um, and quite share it as quickly as we can. Um, and so I guess because I do believe that I can influence and bring changes, I guess part of my confidence is that if I see something happening somewhere, I I don't mind emailing someone and saying, oh, can I come and talk to you about it? Or can we you know, find out a bit more information? Because mm-hmm. I guess that's worked for me in the past and that um, that's working for me locally now. So, yeah, I think there's lots of information out there. It's almost information overload, but um, I guess we develop our lens for that, and part of our leadership skills is to do that, Mm. I think, for our networks. You mentioned Next Gen GP, and I know you've been leading on that down in Wessex. Do you have a sense, is this being discussed with, with those groups? Do you have a sense of, what PCNs represent to GPs who are qualifying and in their first couple of years, you know, how, how what's the mood? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think people are very aware of networks. I don't think it's necessarily being discussed in um, a formal educational way, but I think it's part of the training. And I think things are moving at pace. So. I, I think we've had 50 people on our second cohort of Next Gen in Wessex, which finished last week, and primary care networks came up in every of the six sessions. And I think absolutely people are beginning to think and feel empowered that they can make those changes and they have the influence. I think what still is to be thought about carefully is about how we incentivise and reward people that do do those leadership roles. So mm. in secondary care, it's been it, it's been actually fascinating to kind of work in both sides. So in secondary care, nearly every reg- registrar would do 
time in a different role or do projects and in general practice I think the pressure is so tight on our training that a lot of people wouldn't have the time to do it in training because of the focus on you know all the other things we've got to do but I think what I would love to see is for us to um, really build our confidence in the in as as doctors in saying well actually this is what I would like to do and then be able to find those jobs and those roles for people and I think with networks we actually are at a time where we have the power to create those roles for people mm -hmm. but again we have to balance it with with the equality of making sure that we advertise for places and, mm -hmm. and have a diversity of um, people. So great opportunities but need to be thought through and sort of introduced carefully. I yeah, guess. yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, just to finish that, do you have a sense of what the future looks like for Hayley Island and Emsworth Primary Care Network? What's, what's kind of, you said things are, things are start on in July, what, what, what's, yeah. what can your residents expect? Well, I think, I think that we need our network to get up and running in a kind of formal way. So we have an email address now. We need to have a proper platform of discussing things. So I'd like, we've started a, a bulletin because I, I think we will have lots of time to have more conversations with people. Um, but I'd like to make sure it's kind of spread across the area. So we're two kind of quite small but distinct communities and we have to make sure that we pay attention to both. I think we've got to um, we've got to get all the paperwork done and in the drawer that's that's done by the end of June. We've got to get the financial flows right so that we can recruit recruit some staff and and pay people to do some of the work that's important because that will take time and there are funds for that but we've got to get that financial flow right um, and I think for our patients and our communities it's about building on the conversations so that they can see the outputs um, and we'll we'll do that so I think it's it's about making sure that I spend today with um, the medical director of our community health provider last week talking learning about how mental health is provided and the community services are provided in our patch and what their view on um, primary care networks are within that so I think people are already talking like primary care networks are a thing and they are a thing but we've got to um, we've got to make sure that people know how to speak to us as well as for us to go out and speak to other people and so so far we've started with little you know cardboard box in the practice of primary care network feedback box but we need to um, and we've got our email inbox but we need to build up those relationships and and actually make it so that we can build up our shared purpose have our year one priorities and deliver perfect Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I hope you've found this podcast useful and it offers some ideas that you can take away and use in your own local areas. If you have found it useful, please do leave a rating or feedback via the podcast platform and hit subscribe to be notified of future episodes. And if you'd like to be involved in a future episode, then please do get in touch uh, with your local experiences and, uh, and share the learning that you've had there. In the meantime, you can find out more about the work that NHS England is doing to support primary care networks on our website which is www.england.nhs.uk forward slash PCN or emailing us 
at england.pcn at nhs.net. Thank you very much for listening.